This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Today we will be continuing the Heavenly Authority series taught by our pastor, Greg Scalzo. The current sermon is on Saul, the first king of Israel. The people of Israel have demanded a king, and God is answering their request with this man of Benjamin. Pastor is reading from 1 Samuel chapter 9, which describes Saul's background and attributes. Now let's rejoin Pastor Greg. How name connection can mean political success. So his father is known, his father has money. People tend to look up towards those that have money. You see how the nobility in Europe, the royalty in Europe, how the common folk can tend to look up toward those that have money as though the money somehow qualifies them to rule or to reign. So his family has position. He's in a politically acceptable area. And he himself has his own personal appearance, which we're told is more goodly, handsome choice than anyone else in Israel. And he's tall. He's probably very charming. You know, remember some of the debates years ago uh, between different political candidates, and some people just would lose because they were short. Now, sometimes it works out just right because their positions are politically terrible for Christians, so maybe it's a blessing of God. But it's a terrible thing. Someone could have all the right thoughts and the right positions. And I think of one Christian fellow who recently ran for president who was very good. He said a lot of things that made a lot of sense, but in the debates, they had to put him up on a, a box. And when they would take the polls, it detracted from him because people have a hard time looking past the initial person and seeing the heart. We want a king that's going to lead us. We want someone impressive that goes into battle. And here's this guy. He's a head taller. He's more than that. From the shoulders up, he's a head and neck taller than anybody else. This is really going to scare the enemy. Look at the king we have. And they're concerned with the external appearance. So Saul has all the qualifications that people value. And it's easy. It's going to be easy for the people to accept him when they look at the surface and they look at the charm and they look at the family, they look at the area he comes from. Okay, verse 3, so his father says to him, please take one of the servants with you and arise and go look for the donkeys. And in the search for the donkeys, we're going to have the events that lead to the anointing of the king. Verse 4, so he passed through the mountains of Ephraim, and through the land of Shalisha, which is probably in the, up in the plain of Sharon, so they've gone away up, uh, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and they were not there. Then they passed through the land of the Benjamites, and are coming closer back, but they did not find them. When they had come, they're searching all over the place. If you have a map, you can see that. When they come to the land of Zoph, now Zoph is somewhere in the hill country of Ephraim. And you should remember when we did the genealogies how there was an ancestor of Samuel who obviously was a Levite but was called an Ephraimite because they lived in the hill countries of Ephraim who also was named Zoph. So there might be a connection between this town and 
Samuel's ancestor. And we're going to see that Samuel is near here. Now remember also in the hill countries of Ephraim and the place Ramon, Ramon means high place. We read in chapter 7, verse 17, how when Samuel would come back from his circuit riding, he would return home to Ramah, which is in this hill country of Ephraim, and he would judge Israel there, and he built an altar to the Lord there. So in Zoph, there's somewhere near this altar that Samuel has built in the hill country of Ephraim. So they come to Zoph, and Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. And he, the servant, said to him, Look now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man, a good expression for a summary of Samuel's life. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Perhaps God's going to speak to him and give him revelation that you can find your father's donkeys. Verse 7, Then Saul said to his servant, But look, if we go, what shall we bring to this man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone, and there is no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Look, I have here at hand one-fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. And again, you see a, sometimes how the men in the Bible were blessed with good servants. This man is a good steward. He wants to find the donkeys for Saul's father. He's willing to put out his own money to help find the donkeys. And how a servant many times can lead a situation that can anoint a king. I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. Formally, and we get a, a verse here in verse 9 to give us some more background information, uh, perhaps he uses the word seer in speaking about Samuel because it says here in verse 9, Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer. For he who is now called the prophet was formerly called a seer. So Samuel, or one of the other prophets coming after Samuel, that then added to the book of Samuel, is letting us know that up to the point of Samuel, it was common in that day to call the prophet a seer. Now then, after the time of Samuel, it's more proper they use the word prophet. And you have, we've spoken about this in the transition period, the start really of the great prophets in the man Samuel, the prophets who will be the double check on the king, the prophets who will come and tell the king the word of God and tell him when he's gone off on a wrong direction. Samuel was the start of the prophets. We saw the scriptures in the book of Acts. But prior to this, prophecy, those who were prophets, were called seers. And that word there is ro'er. It comes from the word ro'or in the Hebrew to see. A seer. It also can mean a vision. First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 29. It says, Now the acts of King David, first and last, indeed, they are written in the book of Samuel the seer, in the book of Nathan the prophet, 
and the book of Gad the seer. And Nathan and Gad are probably the two that added the extra events after Samuel's death that give us 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, Samuel the seer. So Samuel is called the seer to see. And in our study of the different offices and the gifts and the anointings of the Holy Spirit, you see here how a seer is equivalent to a prophet, and the emphasis in the word to see is on the means by which revelation is received. Remember, it said it also can mean visions, being able to see a vision from God. You know, you think of the prophet hearing the word of God, well, not just hearing, but sometimes seeing. And it can speak in a figurative sense to see, to perceive, to gain understanding, to discover to have revelation, and it can also speak supernaturally about a gift from God that means to have a vision. Just as the prophet can hear the word of God, he can see a vision. He's a seer, something that can guide, give direction to God's servant, or something that can foretell the future, the seer. Now, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we see. Before we come to Jesus, we're blind. But it says in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus many times would refer to the senses of hearing and seeing in his parables to make a point. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10, it says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you, to who? His disciples. Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, to those who are not disciples, to those who just hear the words, he says, To them it has not been given. For whoever has to him, more will be given, and he will have abundance. The more you use your spiritual senses to desire to know God, the more sincere your heart is when you come to Jesus Christ and you really want to know the truth. Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? Because they shall see God. If you use it, if you have, he will have more. Whoever has to him, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Even the natural common sense, the natural ability to perceive and understand that's given to all God's creatures, if we don't use it to see God, if we don't reason with God, even our natural ability to see, to perceive, gets taken away. To he who has more is given, to he who has not, even what he has is taken away. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that 
I should heal them. They don't want to see. They don't want to hear. I won't let them see. I won't let them hear. They'll have parables that hold the meaning of the universe, the wisdom of the ages, the purpose of life, where we're going, what's going to happen to us, the very will of God, and they won't know it. It'll just be words to them. They can't see it. They've closed their eyes, God says, and I've closed their eyes and I've hardened their hearts because they don't desire to see. And even what they have, even the natural ability he gives to all of us as innocent children gets taken away. But he says to them, but, verse 16, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. How those in the Old Testament would have longed for the things that Peter and James and John heard. How they would have longed for the things we're able to hear and able to read every morning when we have our coffee or tea at breakfast and read from the New Testament. And the Holy Spirit gives us understanding. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, we're blind. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. I hope today's message answered some questions in your life. You can always write to us at Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Thank you for listening, and may our Lord Jesus bless you as you seek and serve Him.